Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. Bonjour everyone, this is Melody with French-Canadian News. We'll start off with an exciting save-the-date announcement for the second annual Young Franco-American Summit. This event for Franco-Americans and Franco-enthusiasts age 18 to 35 will be taking place at the Milliard Museum in Manchester, New Hampshire on October 15th. Half of the day will be a chance to meet and network with other young people interested in Franco-American heritage and culture. Then we'll be attending New Hampshire Putin Fest in the afternoon. It's going to be a great time, and we hope to see familiar faces and some new ones as well. More details are on the way. Next up, we have a blog post on Query the Past by Patrick Lacroix titled Silent But Visible, French Canadians on Stage and Screen. Did you know that French Canadians found representation across the United States through theater and film productions? Or that an Ontario-born novelist created an entire cottage industry based around French Canadians' frontier experiences? Check out the post to learn more about these French-Canadian stories and characters that populated American film. We have a blog post on Louisiana Perspectives by Joseph Dunn titled, When Louisiana Risked Becoming Another Quebec. Check out this article en français about the comparison of Louisiana to Quebec concerning language and the history of these two different places. And now on to events. On June 7th at 6.30pm Central Time, 7.30pm Eastern Time, Check out this online event for the French All Around Us Louisiana authors. Of course, this event is tonight on the day that this new segment airs, so sign up for it as soon as possible. On June 9th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, this is your reminder to check out La Grande Jack Movie Night at the Museum of Work and Culture. The director of the film, Hermène Gilles Chiasso, will be participating in a live Q&A session after the film viewing. Tickets are $10 each. On June 11th at 8 a.m. and June 12th at 5 p.m., check out the 25th Annual French Heritage Festival in St. Genevieve, Missouri. From June 9th to the 24th, check out the Franco-American Festival Week in Lowell, Massachusetts for a whole week of activities and celebration of St. Jean-Baptiste Day. That's all I've got for you this time. Everything I've covered today will be linked in the French-Canadian Legacy podcast episode description. Merci for listening. Bonjour and welcome to the second installment of the Lacroix Library. Today we'll be tackling a vast array of communities and experiences in the form of Jonathan Gostal's Franco-America in the Making, The Creole Nation Within. A professor of French studies at Smith College, Gostal is also the author of a monograph on late colonial Algeria and a study of baseball as an expression of French-Canadian culture in the United States. Franco-America in the Making is an eclectic, ambitious work unlike any other in the field. For one thing, the making of Franco-America that Gostal writes about isn't the fairly well-known tale of 19th century immigration to New England, which may be familiar to FCL listeners. While taking a long view of Franco-American life and culture, the author brings the story much closer to the present. He looks beyond cultural losses and highlights resilience, survival, and adaptation. That's where creolization, or cultural mixing, comes in. Gosnell writes, after the 150-year effort of the past to literally graft France, and we might add Quebec, onto the American landscape, and in the wake of the powerful American-led wave of globalization in the 20th and 21st centuries, operating, for the most part, in English, it is indeed notable that something profoundly French has remained. Gosnell looks at this heritage, and it's a lot, suggesting that these are not vestiges or ruins, but signs of a living, breathing culture 
that finds opportunities for reinvention and rebirth. And so through the thematic chapters, we come across the Alliance Française in Codophile, Le Cercle des Dames Françaises and La Fédération Féminine Franco-Américaine, literature from Jacques Ducharme to David Plant, to say nothing of many other cultural spaces. The thematic approach enables our author to make thought-provoking connections between New England, Louisiana, and the Midwest. There lies the ambitious nature of his work, the broad geographical outlook. By leaving to other writers exhaustive regional histories of Franco-America, he is able to pursue connections and highlight the remarkable extent of French heritage in the United States still today. Readers may regret that Gosnell only devotes a few words or a few sentences to various cultural organizations and projects, but that is a sacrifice he makes to keep the book to a reasonable length. In fact, the number of groups he presents in quick su succession serves his point about the extent of cultural survivals. Okay, a few things among many that I learned while reading Franco-America in the making. The network of Alliance Française on U.S. soil can be traced back to the early 20th century and wasn't confined to cities with a metropolitan French presence like Boston or New York. Chapters popped up quite early in Woonsocket and Fall River, Lewiston and Lowell. Organizers hoped to benefit from France's international prestige as well as to serve Franco-American communities with cultural programming. I also learned about Le Jeanne Mas, a women's organization formed in Worcester in 1913 and it spread to other northeastern centers, like other women's groups established in the era of traditional survivance. The Jeanne Mars circles struggled to retain and recruit members at the end of the 20th century. Though the Lowell chapter appeared to still be active when Gossel's book was published in 2018. All told, this is an instructive book that enables us to see Franco-America through a new lens. In a sense, it's a voyage of discovery or rediscovery that raises new questions and new insights. Franco-America in the Making is available from the University of Nebraska Press, and you may be able to pick it up at your local library or to get a copy through Interlibrary Loan. Bonne lecture. First, I would like to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously, you know, you're an expert in French literature, and this is a conversation we've had quite a bit, and I've gotten very different um, views on this one question. I'm curious to get kind of what your take is, and that is, can, and I've got very different answers depending if I talk to somebody on this side or the other side of the border, frankly. Okay. Can literature be called Franco-American literature if it's written in English? Of course it can. Of course. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, Franco-American literature, what is it about? It's about... Yeah, well, um, is it the subject matter that just makes it Franco-American literature? Is it the DNA of the author that makes it Franco-American literature? I would say both. I mean, I, I think that it's definitely the author. And if, especially if, the, yeah, if they're writing about, if they're um, exploring their identity, um, obviously questions of language are, are going to come up, I'm sure. Um, I mean, as, as you obviously know, this, the Franco-American story happens in, in multiple languages. So yeah, I definitely do not agree with the fact that it has to be only a French, a French thing. And yeah. some of the greatest works have been written in, in English. So or bilingual sure yeah no i just think i mean because that was one thing i see when i was north of the border especially a lot when i would try to make the argument that you know i'm a franco-american if i write something i'd like to think it was franco-american literature even if it wasn't talking about my meme like right right a lot of the talk you get well what well, what's the franco the franco is french so if you write it in english it's not franco yeah, and I mean, I don't know if that we, you know, I, I have a friend that I grew up with um, whose name is Paul Tremblay, and he is obviously French-Canadian and has 
his dad was big in our Franco-American club and he writes, he's a horror writer. Um, he writes nothing about nothing, nothing about the French American experience that that's, doesn't figure into it at all. Is he a Franco-American writer? Mm, I don't think he would give himself that, that label. So, sure. um, I think it kind of depends on, on what the author's stance on it is too. Okay. So this, it, I think it's an interesting conversation. Is it, is it good enough to just be a Franco, that make it Franco-American literature? Is it the fact that you, the subject matter so that somebody who's not, has no French DNA whatsoever can write in English and still have it be Franco-American literature if they're writing about the specific subjects? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the subject matter matters. And then yeah. I think if the person um, claims that identity, then they could be a Franco-American writer without writing about that content. But then I think you could say the same. I mean, somebody could have a very Irish background sure. and write about something that's something to do with being an Irish American that they may not call themselves an Irish writer, right? So I think it kind of... Yeah, it, I'm glad you brought that up because I think for me, honestly, this is a question that's been presented to us a couple of times. So that's why I want to get your take on it. But I think in a lot of ways, uh, a bigger question is, for me anyway, is why does it matter so damn much? Like, why do we have to have the labels, the label of we have to point to this as you either you're in or you're out. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't hang out with a lot of Irish guys, but I don't know if the Irish, if Irish do that, too. I don't know if the Italians do that as well. I, Italian Americans, Irish Americans. But it seems like we're very set on is this person in or out? Therefore, we got to make sure we label absolutely everything. I think part of it is also that, I mean, I do think that Franco-Americans are still fighting for visibility and, sure. you know, and I, I think that someone whose last name sounds very Italian, they don't need to tell you what their, what their heritage is and it maybe doesn't matter to them. Right. But right. French, French Canadian descendants want to have this visibility that isn't always offered to them. I like that. No, that's cool. I think that's probably right. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.